Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, February 15th, and you are listening to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. Today's topic of discussion picked by the community is, quote, don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, or designer purses. The focus on an individual's heart is what matters most. So I'm excited about actually talking about this subject today. Um, before we get into the subject, however, let me tell you about Audible. If you're like me and you love reading, or even the idea of reading, but don't have the time because you have a spouse, kids, full-time job, and crazy time-consuming hobbies, then I have good news for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. Now you can pop in your earbuds and play that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge right from your Android or Apple device. And now, for a limited time, you can get your first audiobook completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's more than enough time to finish that first book. If you are dissatisfied for any reason, you can cancel any time, even if you finish that first book. I started listening to Audible a couple years ago, and I have to say, it was super awkward at first, kind of listening to the books. But once you kind of cultivate that habit, I don't know how I could ever go back. I mean, I do enjoy reading as much as the next guy. I really do. The problem is time. It's very time-consuming to sit down and getting the proper environment to actually start reading. So anyway, back to the topic for today. Don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, or designer purses. The focus on an individual's heart is what matters most. If you're just now joining us for the first time, you can actually participate in the discussion live uh, at our Facebook page. So if you just go to wisdomworthknowing.org, uh, that'll take you to our uh, our gateway page. Um, and then if you look us up on Facebook, you can actually go straight to the Facebook page and participate live. Actually, I do monitor the live chat on YouTube and Rumble as well. So you can subscribe on YouTube and uh, subscribe on Rumble as well. And as of yesterday, the podcast is now officially available on Apple Podcasts, and we are also available on Spotify. I've submitted it to Google. They have not fully approved it yet. That can take a few days for it to, to be processed, but it should be available on Android devices uh, and general Google searches soon, hopefully this week. So if we stopped to take the time to take a look at this quote for today. The, let's just start at the beginning. Don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, designer purses. I think we all kind of get the general idea here. Don't be impressed by wealth. And I, and, and the reason I kind of, it, it seems obvious, right, when you see that, you know, when you read it. But in our current culture, especially with social media, the tendency to compare is extremely prominent. You know, it's very, very difficult to find yourself in a situation where you don't compare yourself to other people because so, by the nature of social media and this, the nature of a constantly connected culture is when I was growing up, you probably don't even remember this unless you're my age, you know, kids right now, they have no reference point of reference for this. But when I was growing up, you could really only compare yourself to the people who were in your immediate circle of influence or part of their circle of influence. So in other words, you if you wanted to see what other people had or did, you literally had to physically go over and see them. <laughs> that was that was a requisite. 
Now, we did have a comparison issue when it came to, like, books, magazines. Uh, we had a comparison issue when it came to going to work uh, or watching television. That was it. That was a digital form of comparison. And even even then, comparison was an issue, you know, for a lot of us when we were growing up, myself included. But this this idea that we constantly compare ourselves to other people is, I think it's just ingrained in our, in our in our psyche. Like we, because we are human beings and it's our, by our nature to be connected and social, I think we see other human beings and we, we instantly associate ourselves or put ourselves into their position or project ourselves into their position. And we assume that just because they have something we don't, that they must be doing something right and we must be doing something wrong. The problem, the, the especially toxic nature of social media is this comparison is very difficult to, to even wrap your brain around because it's edited. You know, just like in movies and television, it's edited. But the nature of social media is that it's or the nature is that it appears organic. In other words, it appears that this is exactly how people's lives are. And editing has become so easy that it almost looks natural. I'll get, the, the most obvious example is, is these filters on our phones, right? Even, even if you're watching this podcast on the live stream, on the video podcast, my face looks prettier on camera than it is in real life. <laughs> I mean, it just does. Like the way they process photography in real time, and I probably shouldn't use prettier, I should probably say more masculine and rugged, handsomer. But it is by nature of, of how these devices not work now is they actually auto-edit on the fly. And they create a a representation of us that is edited. And that, in some ways, devalues our self-esteem, you know, when we see other people who have this pre-edited representation on the Internet. It devalues our self-esteem because it, I think it is unconscious that we compare. Now, I think there's things we can do to address that. And, and I fall into this trap a lot, too. And it's really difficult not to. You know, the first obvious one is just to be aware, right? Beware of the nature of editing. I, I was actually formally trained in IT, in computers. So I, I learned Photoshop in high school when Photoshop, nobody knew what it was. And I was fortunate enough to be in a class that could afford it. It was a, it was a commercial software only at the time. It wasn't something that the general public could even use. And there was this... You know, we just had a blast going in and, and editing and modifying and enhancing photos. And uh, and there's like this truth behind Photoshop trend that started early on when, when the Internet started taking off. And that was, especially on the social side, was, you know, the truth behind Photoshop is something you can actually Google. I think there was a video on it. It was quite fascinating. And it showed this uh, this woman who was just, she was a model and she got a photo taken of her. And then what they did is they actually showed in in this little animated one minute clip all of the edits that were done before that model model's photo was produced, and they enhanced the lighting, they they changed her body shape, they um, added like uh, refining to it, uh, like reflection. They added like uh, what do you, what do you want to say? Um, well, you know what I mean. They just made it look far more more enhanced you know what i mean so they 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 carved basically they took a human being who was a who was flawed and then they carved out all of the imperfections 
prior to that actually making its way to, to publication. And while that was once upon a time a process that had to be done by, by professionals, it is now increasingly becoming built into the technology that we work with. And so the reason I'm spending so much time on that this morning is, is that we need to be sensitive and aware of how much editing is done, not only on the fly, but how much editing is done by the people who are actually doing the posting. There are a lot of statistics that are coming out now that are that are quite alarming, especially in terms of um, of Instagram's effect on young women and, and young teenagers and their body image and their self image. I'm I'm not going to hate on social media. I think I think technology, all technology, has its utility, and but I do believe technology is a tool, and and I you'll hear me probably talk about this a lot on the show. Technology is a tool, and this tool just like a chainsaw can be used for very productive and effective purposes you can you can cut down trees with it you can cut down branches with it you can chop up wood with it but a chainsaw can also dismember people it can it can hurt people in, in the wrong hands it can cause permanent irreparable damage um, and I, I believe social media carries that same severity to it and then when you just just start looking for the evidence of improperly used technology, its damaging effects, you start to see the self-esteem, depression, suicide, anxiety rates go up. You start to see self-image issues. You start to see cyberbullying. You start to see relationships damaged. You start to see marriages and close relationships destroyed simply because the tool which is powerful is in undisciplined hands and i'm not judging here trust me uh the, the more powerful the tool the more difficult it is to actually master and when when we're handing these tools over to people who are undisciplined and i'm not saying i'm not even saying we withhold them what we need to do is do a better job explaining people the significant dangers of these tools because of how harmful they can be if they are not used properly. So sometimes you don't hand a chainsaw to people who don't know how to use a chainsaw. Now, we are a free country, and I appreciate the freedoms we have. And and I, I I would be the last person to adver- advocate for taking things away. I think people just need to be made aware of how dangerous these things are so that as a collective society, we can do a better job making other people aware of just how dangerous these things can be. And And I think we all kind of have our own individual responsibility to share that with people on a very personal level. You know, if we notice people are using it and saying, hey, you know, this maybe maybe this isn't the best way to do it. Um, or just make them aware, you know, and, and people are going to do what they do, and that's totally fine. Um, a lot of us have to learn this on our own. But being aware of technology as a tool that can allow people to post stuff and edit themselves brings us into this comparison issue. You know, don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, and designer purses. Obviously, it doesn't have to be big houses, fancy cars, and designer purses. Uh, the Bible says don't covet your neighbor's wife. But in reality, that's a, the more general application of that principle is just don't covet. 
right? Don't, don't look at other people and desire what they have so much that it makes you unhappy. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to do that because of the nature of media and editing. And I do think that there is a unconscious, and this is something I've learned just, just through study, I think, in, in the Bible is a lot of the warnings in the Bible aren't like, listen, if you do this, we're going to burn in eternity. I think a lot of it is just a warning against our nature, right? So like when they say, do not covet, they're not saying like, don't be an evil person and covet. You're evil. Stop it. I think, I think what they're really saying is we as humans have a tendency to covet. Like that's something we, we tend toward. And if we don't stop and kind of become aware of that and we and we don't see specifically what triggers that covetous behavior we will in general compare constantly and and be a miserable and bitter person so the secondary part of this quote which was quite fantastic um, by the way this quote is from simplify days it is a facebook group i highly uh, facebook page i highly recommend you check them out um it's like a simplicity page it originated from there. Uh, the original quote was from Joshua Becker, it looks like. I actually don't know who that is. Uh, I don't know if it's super important, but should give credit where credit is due. The secondary part of this quote is, the focus on an individual's heart is what matters most. How difficult, if impossible, is it to see the heart of an individual through a social media post or through technology? You know, the first thing that popped in my head when I said that out loud was like the eyes are the windows to the soul or the eyes are the window to the soul. The depersonalization of technology makes it very difficult to see into the soul of the people making the conversation. Now, you could be watching a video. That may be helpful. Um, but the knowing the individual's heart, which is what matters most beyond what they have and or what they they portray themselves as having you can you can know people personally for years and not even know their heart i mean the level of intimacy necessary to actually know a person is incredibly difficult to cultivate so when the when the post says don't be impressed and then it goes on to focus on the individual's heart the only way we can really do that is by spending time with the individual and if we're not aware of this this tendency towards comparing and this this editing culture we're in and we're not and we're not aware of how difficult it is to actually know a person i think we will immediately go into judgment and this may be a cultural thing we're we're all struggling with collectively right now is we have to somehow reconcile the sheer amount of human beings we interact with now because of the technology without devaluing them. And this is an incredibly difficult, if not somewhat impossible process. Because I think we, we have to adapt. We, we do adapt you know, to, to the sheer volume of people. And one of the ways we do adapt is to make generalizations. And one of the ways we make generalizations is through observation. And one of the ways that is dangerous is that if you just boil people down to generalizations, you see it quite often in, in politics, is that you then are depersonalizing the person. 
And then you interact with them based on your generalization, not on who they are. I'm guilty of this tremendously. And it's it's not a, a wonderful thing to admit. You know, when, when, when you start to realize that you have depersonalized the people you're interacting with, it's, it's a very humbling experience, and it's also very um, upsetting. Because <laughs> you kind of realize, I've, I've actually been in debates with people uh, on the internet. It's like, yeah, yeah, internet debates are super constructive, right? They, they, they always end well. They always change everybody's mind. But um, I've been in debates with people, and then I'll go back and I'll read it like a week later, you know, after the emotions have subsided. I have since debated a lot less, by the way, since I've become aware of this. It took me like a couple of years for me to finally acknowledge this. I'll read it a couple of weeks later and I'll be like, who was I arguing with? Like, I don't know this person. Like, I, I don't, I do not know them as individuals. So generally when I read through my arguments again, what I'm reading against are my argument against my arguments against the generalization of that person. And this is a dangerous thing to tend toward. And and it's something we need to be aware of. Because people are individuals. And if we, we continue to cultivate our worldview of them based on generalizations, and, and I don't think all generalizations are bad. I think generalizations are a tool. But if we if we cultivate our entire view of individuals based on those generalizations, then we are going to cause more harm than good especially if we're getting into debates and arguments with them, because we're not actually debating and arguing with the individual. We are debating and arguing against the generalization of the individual. And I think we all do this now, and I think that is a product of, of it's a side effect or a byproduct of social media that we have not fully adapted to yet. This is a tool that our brains have not fully adapted to socially. I think cancel culture is a product of that. Cancel culture is a way for people to make sense of the world in a very simplified form because they want to go on with their lives. People don't want to sit around and contemplate these incredibly complex issues. They want oversimplified explanations for them, which was great when you were talking about things like like science and uh, literature and mathematics. Making generalizations was, was incredibly useful. But now that we are making generalizations about human beings, it's becoming very ugly very quick. It's just something we need to, to realize is something we do just to kind of adapt to the sheer volume of information. And and, and we and even though we can still make generalizations so that we can function on a day-to-day basis, we need to make sure not to apply those generalizations to individuals. We should be having individual conversations with people, human one-on-one interactions. And I think that's what we should press towards. Um, and the second part of that quote is is very, very important on that. So if, if you haven't joined the discussion yet, make sure you hop on Facebook. Discussion time is going to start here shortly. Go, don't forget to post your questions or comments there. And I do realize this podcast is, is crazy early in the morning. It's 6 a.m. on a weekday every day. It's the only time, opportunity or time I have to actually <laughs> share uh, live at the moment my current schedule. Um. So if there's not a lot of discussion, that's totally fine. It doesn't doesn't bother me at all. We'll just burn straight through discussion time and we'll move on to something else. But the uh, don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, or designer purses is, is it's a good emphasis for today. 
We need to we need to be careful about our tendency to compare, especially when we're comparing ourselves to an edited version of individuals. I think one more thing I, I will talk about, because it doesn't look like there's a lot of conversation going on, but feel free to share. I'll uh I'll go ahead and say good morning to Bradley. Uh Persunier, I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly, and to Nicholas Wright. Thank you for coming back this morning. It's good to see you both again. Um but I did want to I did want to kind of emphasize this this how do we adjust to the sheer volume of people that we interact with now because of the tool of social media? How do we cultivate friendships? And how do we actually establish relationships in such an edited and depersonalized culture? Here's the funny thing. When I was growing up and I worked with uh, and I played a lot of online games. I played uh, MMOs. Those are the massively multiplayer online games. And these were games where you'd go online and you'd play with a massive group of, group of people. The modern popular ones are things like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy Online, um, Star Wars The Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic. These are these are uh, ways of these were ways of going on and being social online with people and, and you all had a collected interest, right? You had a shared interest, which was the game that you were all playing together collectively. And it was a cool it was cool because it was it was a united hobby. But don't worry, if you're not in the games, I'm not going to go too deep into the games. But what it was is it was a way to interact with people in an environment that had a collectively agreed upon rule set because you were playing a game together. And generally, most of your discussions revolved around the game, right? Because that was that was what you were all playing. And and the reason this was cool is because it, it created that foundational framework for, for everybody to connect on. Like, if you had nothing else to talk about, you could always talk about the game, right? That this was this was the fundamental aspect of uh <laughs> of of interacting with other people. And the reason I bring this up is because when we were when I was growing up, there was no real effective way of communicating except for via chat. We actually had to hand type out all of our interactions. And although at the time it seemed like a limitation, it wasn't until later that I realized that that limitation actually allowed people to connect on a on a deeper level. First of all, when you type something out, yes, you can edit it, but it takes a tremendous amount of effort to actually refine your thoughts and communicate them. So it actually eliminated a lot of the the ugliness that comes with without with the the live conversation part. But it also kind of taught me to communicate in a written form a lot more effectively because I couldn't people couldn't see who I was like as a person. But this allowed you to connect with people on an individual level. And so technology does kind of offer that, that the whole, the disconnected part does offer an opportunity to connect with people on that deeper level, especially if you can't communicate via video or podcasting. It's just, we need to be, we need to put effort into communicating effectively. And then we actually have to spend enough time with people to actually cultivate those relationships. That's another great thing about uh, an online game is that generally you interacted with the same people regularly and you interacted with them enough to get to know them as individuals. Now, of course, it was the internet, so they could have all lied, and they can't edit. But I think, I think on a lot of levels, it did allow a connectivity that was not superficial, uh, because it, it allowed for more of an organic conversation 
because you you were in a in a safe environment in which you could express yourself and that level of anonymity was kind of nice to a point because you you didn't have to worry about it being connected to you as an as a real life human so the problem with with moving that into social, the social media realm is that it it becomes difficult because first of all your face is connected to everything that you say so you don't get that freedom that comes with the anonymity you know, some people may say that's accountability, which can be a positive thing. But something is lost there, too, especially when you're talking about Internet interactions. Like if you're having a face-to-face interaction, it's good to have that accountability where you can't just lie to people. But if, if you're on the Internet, there was there was value to the anonymity. You know, you could you could be yourself without fear of, of real-world consequences. But when you place yourself in a social media network, you you are you are in a network of people who you are already connected with in real life. So there's there's this reluctance to say or do certain things because it you're afraid of how you will be perceived at that next meeting, at that next work thing, or that next get together. And so it, it actually it cultivates that insecurity with expression. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because cultivating relationships on the internet is extremely difficult. I think it used to be easier, but I think because of social media, which is a relatively new technology, it's it's made it very difficult to connect with people on a very personal, individual heart level. So something to be aware of. Uh, if, if you're trying to cultivate friends or develop friends, I think social media is best positioned as a way of establishing the ground level connectivity, the hobbies you have, you have that you collectively share, you know, the interests you collectively share. It's almost a effective tool for, I hate to put it this way, for profiling potential friendships. <laughs> Sounds super unhealthy to pay, to word it that way, but it really is. It's, it's like to, to look for potential friendship candidates. But I don't think you can actually cultivate that friendship at this point just online. I th- unless, of course, you have private messenger meetings or you guys play an online game together outside of the social media network or you have like messenger conversations because like imagine yourself on a playground with all the other kids and you see one of the kids in the group who you, who you, you both have something in common and you kind of want to get to know each other better but then now you have to walk up to that person and have a conversation with them while every other kid in the classroom is standing there staring at you that to me is the example of social network friendship building <laughs> if you do it publicly so it's almost like you you have to actually take that step beyond the the social network part and actually hey we should get together and grab a coffee hey i noticed you like playing wow what server are you on hey i know you like playing chess and board games are you part of any kind of board game group Hey, I noticed you like to hang out at this coffee shop or this, or you like this kind of music. Have you been to this band? You want you want to hang out sometime? And I don't mean this on a relationship level. I just mean this just like you want to go see this band. So like, it's a it's a great way to kind of find potential people to connect with, but I don't think you're going to cultivate that intimacy just online. So we need to take that extra step. So here's some extra comments from the uh, comment section here. It looks like a. Uh, Bradley said, he says, I really miss WoW sometimes, which is World of Warcraft, which is that online MMO. And I and I, I feel you. And actually, I do jump into it occasionally just to kind of to relive that nostalgia. 
I can't do it on the level I used to. I don't think any of us really can. But it, but it is really, it is really kind of fun. It's fun to be able to go online and not worry about what anybody thinks, and everybody's just playing the same game, and it's very simple. You know, and you can have conversations with people that are just fun. So, I guess one of the risks of that is you can pour yourself into it so completely and utterly that you do not have a social life. And I did that too, actually, early on. I was addicted to EverQuest, if you haven't heard of that one. And there was a lot of social opportunities I passed up simply to go on raids and to be with the group. So... I don't know if that might, I don't know if that was the best for me, but I mean, I eventually kind of outgrew it. And then I actually started developing more intimate relationships and I still actually go back and play occasionally. So I found a balance. I hope, uh, Tanya, good morning. Welcome back. Um, thank you for subscribing and, uh, welcome back to the live stream this morning. And for those of you who are just now joining in, we are on Spotify and on Apple podcasts now. So you can subscribe there. It is also on YouTube and Rumble. So you can subscribe there if you prefer those networks. Uh, the live chat is mostly monitored on the Facebook page. So you can check it out there. And thank you all for joining. Uh, so I think we're going to move past the dis- we're going to move past the discussion time since we've kind of flushed out all the comments for today. And we are going to discuss uh, becoming a subscriber. Now, if you haven't subscribed yet, totally fine, but if you're interested in the show and you like the show and you want to help out, you can subscribe on Facebook for only $1 a month. Just go to subscribe.wisdomworthknowing.org or directly to the Facebook page. And uh, when you do subscribe, you can actually just click that subscribe button and it only costs like four quarters a month. I try to make it as cheap as possible. And the, the subscriptions are going to help crowdfund the podcast because right now I'm, I'm paying for it out of pocket, which is... It's something I very much enjoy doing, so I don't mind doing that. But the the goal is to hopefully eventually have the whole thing crowdfunded uh, so that uh, I can continue to promote and grow the page through advertising and kind of get a bigger audience. So hopefully people find value in this. And if you do, consider subscribing. If you don't want to do Facebook subscriptions, I have an official website set up now. Just go to wisdomworthknowing.org. It is a single-page website. It's not complicated. All it does is show all of the episodes. You can play them directly from the website. Uh, it also has links to the Spotify and Apple Podcast connect- connectivity if you want to link up there. And you can also donate there directly if you want to donate anonymously or publicly. It'll take you to my uh, GoFundMe page, which will also help promote and grow the site. And until next time, quote, don't be impressed by big houses, fancy cars, or designer purses. The focus on the individual's heart is what matters most. So let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can be today. And I will see you all tomorrow.